Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello, I'm Bart Sheridan, and today we dig deeper with Tim Cockrell and Thad Franz. And before we go further, though, a big welcome back. We enjoyed our customary December sabbatical, and now we're rested, ready, revved up for the third season of Digging Deeper in Grace. I was sharing with you, Thad, and Tim a little earlier. My father used to say, I'm ready to go fight a bear with a switch, and I feel that way heading into 2023. Uh, We hope you do too, folks. So, Tim, Thad, thanks for jumping in. I appreciate you joining us for this first episode of the new year. Glad to be here. Yeah, excited for it. Well, guys, last year in our season opening episode, we focused on the function of and the importance of membership in the local church. And this year, we're going to be discussing the specific responsibilities of the church member here in this first episode. So let's just jump into it. Uh, Tim, let's start the discussion with an overriding question. Where in the scriptures do we see the concept of church membership? Well, I think what makes it challenging is we can't turn to a single chapter and verse that is the section on church membership. But what we see is a a permeating priority in Jesus' teaching, in the practice of the early church, in the book of Acts, even in Paul's teaching in the epistles, that the congregation was a defined number of people who were covenanting to live out the Christian life together. And so we find this really all the way back in Matthew 16, when Peter has his declaration, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus not only affirms him, but then he talks about building his church and giving to the church the keys of the kingdom. And the idea there being that the church is affirming those who are members of it, and they are affirming, or they're recognizing those who are not members of it. There's a distinguishing function that is there. And then just a couple chapters later in Matthew 18, when Jesus teaches about what we call church discipline, there's a sense in which somebody who is a professing believer, if they continue in unrepentant sin, that affirmation of the person's genuine Christian faith is revoked, that they are then treated like an unbeliever. So there's this clear distinguishing mark that there are some who are affirmed by the local congregation and there are others who are not affirmed and so then we see that in the book of acts as early as acts chapter 2 when pentecost happens we see at the end of acts 2 that it says three thousand were added to their number and so this is a defined and recognized group of people and i think it's worth mentioning that it was baptism that was kind of the, the key determining point that once they were baptized they were welcomed in having publicly professed their faith. And then throughout the the New Testament in in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 6, we see that there were practical needs that came up. There were some widows that were being neglected. And the congregation came together almost like a business meeting to say, hey, how are we going to address these practical needs that happen? Uh, Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, deals with a practical matter of sin. And he says, you need to put this person out of your fellowship. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, you've put them out of the fellowship by the majority. And so there's a a congregational consensus there. Now it's time to bring them back because they've been repentant. And so all those things kind of converge to suggest that there there was a clearly defined and delineated membership of the church. They knew how many people were there. The, the leaders had a scope of what their pastoral responsibility and uh, the care that they were responsible to give. 
And so we then take that priority we see in scripture and put it into practice in church membership in our church. Yeah, and not only to speak of those scripture evidences, but just the imagery through the New Mm -hmm. Testament of a body, a flock, uh, that has, again, defined boundaries of who, who is a part and who is not. Uh, even serving here as a, an elder, I need to know who I am shepherding. Uh, and, and membership provides that defined uh, line of who are those that are part of our church that we're responsible for. And also for the member, uh, who is in authority of them? Who are they submitting to uh, as, as a core leadership? And so... Um, I think these show very clearly, especially in the New Testament scriptures, uh, the idea of membership. Well, you, you go from church to church, and there are different membership processes. How do you become a member of an individual church? We have a pretty formalized structure, uh, having grown up in a large denomination, mainline denomination, uh, like most of us. Uh, I know that there were even you know, hierarchies where you reported the number of members you paid a certain per head, uh, the church paid a certain per head uh, fee to that denomination leadership. Grace doesn't do necessarily that as an independent church, but uh, we do practice that more formal membership process than some churches do. So it might be good to share, and Thad, if you wouldn't mind sharing what our process is and the scriptural premise behind each step, if you could kind of step-by-step do it and why we do what we do. Yeah, so membership here at Grace is for those who want to covenant with other members, uh, members here at Grace. Again, we look back to Old Testament scriptures, the idea of covenant, uh, God's people um, covenant uh, with Him in in an agreement of uh, the way that defined people were to act and and obey the law. And so uh, this idea of covenant and commitment to one another is... um, not only in the Old Testament scriptures, but we look in the New Testament scriptures, the one another's, uh, how we care, serve, love one another. Uh, it, it is truly a commitment. It, it is for genuine believers. So one of the tasks that we have, even as uh, guarding the flock and overseeing the flock, is uh, assessing uh, genuineness uh, of faith in Christ. And so ways that we do that here at Grace is by written application, but uh, each uh, member that goes through our process will be interviewed by two of our elders. Uh, what I'm looking for in those interviews is not only a testimony of faith, but how's that faith being worked out today and the, the, the fruit bearing of their lives, uh, that there's been a change. And uh, we also uh, want to uh, discuss that even as a larger council that might know people better that are coming into our membership. And then finally, uh, an affirmation given by the whole congregation uh, to bring someone into our family. And so uh, I think formal process is really uh, protecting and caring uh, of the flock that we have here, uh, that those that are joining are joining for the right reasons and are joining uh, together, uh, committing to the core set of beliefs that we all hold to. And so one of the questions we ask a lot of times in our interview process is uh, we have a doctrinal statement that we all hold to that when we gather together on Sunday morning, we're all affirming by gathering together that we believe in you know, one God and uh, Jesus as the God man and and so forth and so on. So we want uh, similarly those that are joining our membership that they can affirm in those same doctrinal statements. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, Thad, that membership is a commitment to living out the Christian life in this local body. And that requires a wholehearted commitment, but it also requires alignment. You know, if we're not aligned doctrinally or even philosophically, it's going to lead to kind of frustration and friction. And so one of the purposes as we go through this process, the interview, the 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 dialogue even uh, through their written application is to affirm they understand who we are, where we stand, that they are comfortable within those parameters, that they're willing to submit to them even if they disagree. Because I think shaping those expectations, even of what membership is, is a key part of then integrating into them them into the membership here at Grace. Yeah, that's right. You both, all three of us, have been involved in ministry for a, a number of years, decades uh, at this point for all three of us. And I, I think we all know that whether you go into civic organizations, churches certainly, anything where membership is has traditionally been a thing, the incidence of people wanting to join, well, let's just say at the Rotary Club or a trade organization, is markedly down from years past and decades past. Can you tell some of the things that you have seen over these past couple of decades for you two that uh, have changed over those decades? specifically related to church membership and people's willingness and desire to uh, not only fellowship with, but commit to the local church. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts that come to mind and I would love to hear Thad's thoughts on this as well. I think just the globalization of our world, you know, digitally, it used to be even in the town that I grew up in, there were three different churches in this town of 600 because everyone was very local church focused. You weren't going to drive very far for a variety of different reasons. And now you live in a megalopolis Absolutely. of like 4,000 people, right? <laughs> but that idea that you would go to your, your town's local church just isn't there anymore. Now people are willing to drive and able to drive 20, 30, 45 minutes even to be in a church that fits their preferences. And then even with the advent of sermons online and live stream we have more and more people that are, are customizing their preferences that quite honestly is a, a more consumeristic mentality. Mm-hmm. I also think we have kind of that autonomy and independence has become even more pronounced in our society that we don't want to be tied down. We don't want to be restricted by an organization and its constraints. And so we'll, we'll align with something to the extent that it serves our purposes, but we don't want to covenant to it because we we can have a more consumeristic mentality. I mean, I think about growing up on a farm, like our family were, were a Ford family and we were an international tractor family. And, and there was brand loyalty there. And, and you saw that throughout society. You know, you shopped at this grocery store, you, you went and got your clothes at this department store. And we just don't see that anymore. It, more it of really, a big box mentality. It, it is. It, it's where do I get the thing that is most convenient at the least cost. And, and I fear that that has permeated churches as well. Hmm. I think the only thing I would add is, especially generationally, we're seeing in the millennials and Gen Zs this idea of genuine relationship hmm. and wanting to be known and have a community that they can share life with and, uh, and be honest with. Uh, and, and so being in a setting uh, where we're at here in Cedarville, 
having young people regularly come into our membership. Uh, I've heard that a lot within even our interviews and, and dialogues of just the idea of accountability, uh, want, wanting to be held accountable, but also to, to invest in others in, in that same type of accountab- accountability. And, and it's an expectation of membership here at Grace that uh, we want people to be in community, whether it be in a, a Sunday school f- uh, format, uh, an ABF, an adult Bible fellowship, or a small group. And, and so I think um, we're, we're seeing people that, yeah, maybe covenanting, that maybe that's such a strong word, but they do desire to be in community. And so they're looking for those that in that same sphere of life that they can do life with and, and pour into other people as, as others are pouring into them. And Tim, you talked, uh, you spoke to the idea of digital means. Uh, we have it today. I was ill on Sunday and, and had the blessing of sitting on the sofa with two beautiful women, my wife and my daughter, sitting beside me, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not the same. We haven't, there's probably somebody listening right now who, for whom it's very easy to sit on the sofa, sit in the easy chair, um, kick back in your jammies on Sunday morning, uh, not have to make the effort to come. And that's become there, especially over the past two or three years with the pandemic, uh, hopefully in our rearview mirror, but it became very easy. We still do that, and I think it's probably good that we do it. It is uh, something that, especially shut-ins and others who just can't make it mm-hmm. that day or for whom it's not wise to make it, uh, like for me the other day. Can you speak to that individual who has taken that as their weekly church attendance. Yeah, first of all, I would say I understand. Like, mm. life is busy. Do and... you ever wish you could preach from home? You know, <laughs> in your PJs. <laughs> That's actually a lot harder. When we had to do that during COVID, just to preach to a camera, that was right. that was not ideal. I do understand the the convenience factor, the how challenging it can be to set aside time, get your kids ready, get get everybody there. But I'm just reminded of how many one another commands we have in Scripture Mm -hmm. that I really think we have to focus on what is church. Church isn't a service that you attend. It's not a building that you enter. It's a family that you belong to. And and you can't do that effectively long term from a distance. Absolutely. There are are a number of people in our church family that are dealing with critical health issues that, that they can't or it's not wise for them to be here. But I think that's the minority then. And, and so we want to provide those services for those people. But for the rest of our congregation, we want to encourage them. We need you mm-hmm. and, and you need us. Like there, there is a, a body mentality as Thad mentioned earlier, that it's really hard to confess our sins to one another or to mm-hmm. encourage one another or to bear with one another when we're living life at a distance. Yeah. And, and that's why we have to be the church and not just go to church. And I would say, if you're not careful, besides those exception times, we can get into what Tim was talking about, that consumerism, that we're just receiving something uh, by way of YouTube or streaming, and, and we're not committing to one another. You know, Hebrews 10 talks about gathering together uh, as we see the day approaching. What is the reason so that we can stir one another up in faith and good works. And so we can't really do the stirring, the exhorting, the encouraging, the one another's that Tim was just talking about if 
we're at home, you know? And so, and I just love it. Like coming into church, being able to reconnect with the people that maybe I haven't seen all week and, and to encourage them and uh, to, to, to share in the Lord's Supper together as a family. There's just an intimacy there that you cannot find uh, just being able to watch it on the screen. I want to be very careful as I say what I'm going to say here, but I think it, it's, it would be wise to, to address the, the issue of introverts versus extroverts. Uh, each of us has a measure, and I don't, I don't think there's anybody who's probably a pure extrovert or a pure introvert, but there are some, most of us go one way or the other. We each exhibit some level of extrovertism, if you will. It's easy when you just want to be there and you desire to be there. There are some for whom, though, it's just difficult to get out. Uh, Tim, you spoke to the idea, uh, or maybe it was you, Thad, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. You're both saying such great stuff. The idea of um, stirring each other, the idea of we need you mm-hmm. uh, as much as you need us. Mm-hmm. But we don't always feel that. Talk to that person who is... It's just easier to stay at home. I just don't feel like going out and seeing people today because I just don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I needed, don't feel like I'm wanted. And frankly, I just don't want to. Yeah, I think those are honest feelings. And in the Christian life and and in life in general, there's a number of things that we need to do and we should do that we don't always feel like doing. That's why our feelings make a lousy engine of the train. Yes. You know, our feelings have to be the caboose. They're there. They're an important part. But, you know, God's word, his spirit, uh, our our choices have to be kind of what drive us in those ways. But, but I would recognize that for some, that's harder. For some people, it's because they're introverted. For some people, it's because they always came to church with their spouse and their spouse isn't here yeah. anymore. For some, it's maybe because they, they've been gone for the last two years and they don't want to answer all the questions of where have you been? What's going on? And so it's just easier to stay home. And we could probably add many other things. There's, there's chronic pain. There's any number of things. But I think what we have to recognize is God gifts each person and uses each person in different ways. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about people that are introverted, and I myself am introverted as a general tendency, is that in general, their relationships have a beautiful depth to them. They may not be connecting with 50 different people on a Sunday morning, but the two people they do connect with, Mm. there is real depth and meaning there. And so what I would just say is we need the full spectrum of personality, the full spectrum of gifting, the full spectrum of experience and age and wisdom in order to be the healthy church. And so we need that person even if they don't necessarily feel or see the ways that we need them. So we, we have membership. It's important to us. What are some of the responsibilities as we come in as a member? Uh, what are we supposed to be doing? Yeah, there's a number of them that come to mind. You know, I'll start with, we've already said, a, a personal faith in Christ is necessary, but we don't want to just stop there. Like, hey, yeah, I trusted Christ when I was seven, but there is an ongoing deep dependence and growing maturity in our Christian walk. And so that's going to include personal spiritual disciplines like prayer, as well as confession, Bible reading, that we're seeking to grow individually. 
But then there's also going to be corporate spiritual disciplines, that we are regularly attending church, as Thad mentioned, that we are are giving, we are singing, we are studying God's word together, uh, we are confessing sin, and we are extending forgiveness. We can't do that in isolation, but that's an integral part of our growth and maturity individually as well as corporately. I would even say another responsibility is pursuing unity by putting kingdom purposes ahead of our own personal preferences. Mm. And man, this is where the rubber really meets the road. Like I can say, yep, I'm committed to this church, but as soon as they start singing music that isn't my preference, or as soon as the curriculum that they're doing for the Bible study isn't my favorite thing, or somebody's wearing something that I don't think they should be wearing to church. Did you hear what the senior pastor said? The exactly. Yeah. I mean, that'll give you material for days and days. <laughs> but I think that that whole idea of I am submitting my preferences Hmm. for kingdom purposes is so important. It says I'm going to submit to my leaders. It says I'm going to refuse to gossip. It says that when there is a conflict between somebody else, I'm going to go address it with them biblically Hmm. rather than just harboring bitterness and sitting on the other side of the, the sanctuary from them. And so connected to that then would be engaging in biblical community. That as we believe in the gospel, we're living out the gospel with authentic transparency, with with deep biblical study with one another, with a sense of just living out the gospel and all that, that entails, extending grace, um, being reminded of how much we have to grow, exhibiting a level of humility. So just kind of those horizontal gospel relationships. Then I would also say serving. You know, God has gifted every single person. We would want everyone to serve, whether that's in formal or informal ways, mm-hmm. and then demonstrating and proclaiming the gospel by developing relationships of influence with unbelievers, that we're not just an inward-facing body, but that we are a missional body that includes our immediate context as well as our state, our nation, and our world. Good. I don't have much to add to that. I mean, those are clear expectations. I would just say, kind of, we want to be an Ephesians four type of church. That uh, to be a healthy church, we need everybody involved in our church. That uh, the Spirit has gifted each of us differently, uh, and bringing uh, individuals that are diverse unified together as a church, we're going to be healthier looking because we're going to be equipping each other, the saints, for the work of the ministry based on our gifting and the service that we commit to. As I hear you two talking about this, I I think of a two-word phrase. It's assertive submission. We are each Mm -hmm. called to be who we are Mm -hmm. and to utilize the gifts that God has endowed us with, the spiritual gifts. Not to mention the other talents and things that we just automatically bring to the table. But we are also to do that under the rule of God mm-hmm. and those whom he has put in leadership in the church. So assertive submission. Come and be who you are. We need you. Getting back to that idea of the body. If my right hip <clears throat> is giving me aching pain every time I go out for a walk, that may or may not be true right now, uh, it's affecting everything I do. Yes, that's right. I can no longer run like I did when I was 35. And so those types of things, if, if you're not pulling your weight hip, you need to jump in there. 
Related to our membership practices, Tim, you mentioned it earlier, we also do engage in church, what we call church discipline. Other churches call it something different, but we call it church discipline. It's taught very clearly, we believe, in the New Testament. Take us through that, uh, why this process is important and the scriptural backing for what we do. Yeah. So the whole goal of church discipline is to restore a brother or sister back to the church family. I think Mm -hmm. first and foremost, we want to state that clearly because when we think of church discipline, our, our minds might go to a challenging, you know, scenario that we've seen in our former church or our current church, and, and it doesn't end well at times. And but that's not the the goal in it. Uh, it was God's kindness that that allows us to have the idea and process of repentance, and we want to be restored to not only the fellowship uh, of other believers in our church family, but to God Himself. Church discipline occurs due to unrepentant sin, and uh, we want to pursue one another, uh, just like in the New Testament we see this sheep that has gone astray, uh, to bring them back into the fold. And it is the believer's responsibility to exhort one another, as long as it's called today, that none might harbor uh, the deceitfulness of sin, as Hebrews 3 talks about. We see in 1 Corinthians 5, as we've already alluded to, and Matthew 18, a process that the scriptures have given us to lay out a, a, a process for church discipline that takes sin seriously, but it also calls the person to repent and to receive the grace and forgiveness of Christ. And so that, that's the whole goal. And yes, it can be messy, but I've also seen the, the true blessing of a brother restored. And, and, and I think the characteristic of one being restored is humble, Submission, as we've already talked about, to the leadership and their collective wisdom to walk out repentance. And the the whole goal of walking out repentance is to bear fruit. Uh, How many times have we seen uh, God use ashes for beauty? Has taken, you know, someone's uh, testimony of of walking away from the Lord in someone else's life to bring them back to the fold. And so God uses all of our stories, though broken, uh, for His glory. And that's that's the hope in the, the process of church discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It was a year ago that I, I preached my first sermon as pastor here, and I got to preach on church discipline, which was a lot of fun. Um, but I think the, the key thing that we need to remember is that as Thad so well put, the goal is restoration. And so as we think about biblical conflict resolution, this lays out the roadmap. That if I'm sinned against, if I'm wronged or offended, I go to that individual. I don't go talk to three other people about my frustration. I go to them. I address it with a level of humility and a desire to understand. And that then if those things are not effective, I'm involving the leadership. I'm using the wisdom of the collective church body to seek reconciliation, but the whole process is predicated on the assumption that true believers, when confronted with sin, will repent. And, and that's where our hope is that the Holy Spirit is going to do the work that only the Holy Spirit can, and that then we follow what the Lord has called us to do out of obedience and faith that he will be the one that does the work. Most words and phrases have connotations, and I, I've expressed it probably in your hearing uh, in the past, but uh, the word discipline has a negative connotation so often, and it, it, it sounds punitive, it sounds uh, messy. 
But we need to remember that the word discipline has the same root that the word disciple has. It comes from that same root uh, in our English language and any other language for that matter, I assume. But the fact is that discipline is a good thing. And we need to be disciplining ourselves, allowing God to discipline us, and going back to the idea of the body. Uh, my right hip keeps the rest of me in, in check, and it, it works in concert. So we are to be disciplining one another, that picture of iron and iron, sharpening one another. But uh, I, I, it's unfortunate, I think, but it is a process that is really, is it not? It's about the purity of the body mm-hmm. in uh, as a picture of God's people. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's also good for the individual. It's a necessary surgery. Uh, what we were talking about, that process of disciplining someone from the church. It is a necessary thing of, of, about the purity of the body. Yeah, and I think the thing that is hard about this is that if it is predicated on the idea that true believers repent, if that person walks through that whole process and refuses to repent... The reason that they are then excluded, that their affirmation of genuine faith is revoked, is because it's a warning of coming judgment. Mm. And so no discipline is pleasant at any point, but it is a sense of warning of of present pain and future punishment. And that's where I think we have to just recognize God's grace in it, even though it's not pleasant. Galatians one six chapter one and Matthew chapter eighteen both talk about what you know what happens if one is not responsive and is not uh, willing to repent of sin and it talks about treating them as basically an unbeliever. Sure. Uh, we don't know if they're unrepentant. It's either because they're in defiance of God or they're not a believer in the first place, yeah. and so it is for their own good. Mm-hmm. Being located in a university setting where we usually or often attract a fair number of military attenders even, uh, we also offer an associate membership here at Grace. So let's talk about why we do that and what being an associate member entails. Yeah, as you mentioned, there are times where people will join our church family, but just for a season. They know that they're not going to be here in the Cedarville area long term. And they're likely, they have to be, a a member of another church in order to be an associate member. So the idea there is they already have a home church. They already have a a leadership that they are submissive to. They already have people that are watching over them, but they have to do it from a distance at this point because they're now in our community rather than wherever they are from. And so an associate membership is them coming under the leadership of grace while still maintaining their membership at their home church. And this does a couple of things. One, as we mentioned earlier on in our conversation, we as leaders need to know what is the scope of our pastoral responsibility. And so that helps us to know for this time being, they are under the scope of our pastoral responsibility, but they are ultimately submitted to another church congregation. Two, it helps us to walk through a process with them so that then we can affirm the genuineness of their faith and deploy them into ministry within our local church because we need to have that affirmation before we put them in a position of responsibility, whether that's with our children or our teens as a greeter or in other places. And so that becomes a safeguard for us as we integrate people into our congregation. So uh, there's likely someone listening who is not an official member of a church, but who is considering joining here at Grace or another good church in the area or in their area. 
what encouragement do you give that person? Yeah, I would first uh, make sure the church that they're attending or looking to attend is a Christ-centered, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church. Um, one of the ways to do that is, yeah, attend the worship service, community groups, talk to people within that congregation. But one I don't think happens as often is uh, finding that church's constitution. What do they believe in? What are those core beliefs? Sometimes it's easy. You can find it on their website, at least a, a good starting point, maybe a revised version. But I would encourage that one listening that wants to commit to local body to, to reach out to a pastor or an elder of that church here at Grace um, to receive those core beliefs, read through those, pray. Uh, again, we talked about aligning with a church that, that aligns with your beliefs is so essential. And I've seen so many times and heard so many times of others that have committed to a local body and then after the fact have found out Maybe I, I didn't uh, believe exactly, uh, and it's caused friction uh, for them. I, I would pray and take the process of committing to local body seriously. God can teach you so much about himself and his body through even the process of walking through a formal membership. And then I would um, just encourage, especially those that are looking to um, become members here at Grace, uh, as your leadership, we we desire to connect with you. We try to find many avenues to do that, whether it's after a Sunday service, many of the elders are uh, in, in the front of the sanctuary uh, wanting to you know, talk about whether it be faith or just the process of membership or you've been attending uh, for several weeks and, and haven't got some of your questions answered, we would love to talk to you. And we, we, we take our formal process of membership seriously with multiple steps to make sure your questions are, are answered and that you feel comfortable to make that next step in becoming a member. Yeah, I think central to the paradigm is just when we think about membership in our society, it's about what benefits do I get, right? You know, so if I join your organization, I now have access to these things or I'm a part of this broader network. Whereas I think the biblical concept of membership is less about benefits and more about responsibility. Certainly there are benefits that come along with it, but it's a, a covenanting to live out the Christian life together. So mm. when you become a member, you don't suddenly get access to the members only lounge or something like that here at Grace, but that there is a, a living out of the commitment to Christ in this context. Guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a great discussion. We've gone a little long. We apologize about that, but uh, thank you so much for your, your input and your faithfulness to God's Word. We've been digging deeper today with Tim Cockrell and Thad Friends, and you can access Grace Sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. Plan to join us next time. We'll be continuing our discussion of God's Word. And until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning in to this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.